security is not an IT problem. It's a business problem. And when we talk about it in that way to the business and help them understand that we are partners and advisors and that we're not the police, I think that resonates well. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, welcome to Status Go. My name is Jamie Lee, SVP of Sales and Marketing here at InterVision, and I'll be your host today, along with our special guest, Mandy Huth, VP of Cybersecurity at Kohler. Today's podcast will be focused on security and how Mandy is tackling that with a 30,000-plus employee global company. Mandy, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I've been here in Portland for a few days, lots of sunshine, and lots of ongoing challenges at work, so keep them busy. Well, sounds good. Before we get started on the discussion, can you give us a little your background and describe your role at Kohler? Sure. So I started as the VP of Cybersecurity at Kohler just over eight months ago. Um, I've come from a varied background. I've been in security software. I've been in manufacturing. I've been back in the software business, SaaS software. And with growing expertise, started in infrastructure, um, added on some R&D, some engineering, and then ran into this thing, security, that I really became passionate about. So I'm really excited about my new role at Kohler and all the challenges and opportunities that it brings with it. Wow, sounds like a great diverse background. So how would you describe coming into Kohler? What, you know, what's the culture like around cybersecurity and or risk, I guess we say today? Sure. So one of the reasons, you know, I wasn't looking for uh, a new role. I loved my, my past role. And Kohler came to me and asked me if I would be interested in having a conversation with them. And what a lot of people don't know is that while Kohler, most people think of a traditional kitchen and bath manufacturer does have quite a diverse portfolio of products. They have power generators, engines, they do kitchen and bath. They have hospitality. Did you know they have two golf courses? Yeah, as a golfer, I didn't know that part, but uh, I didn't know all the other stuff you listed. (laughs) There you go. And so, you know, what they're doing is they're really going through a transformation as well. And whether that's a buzzword or not, They're really moving. They understand that being a traditional manufacturer requires transformation into a digital era. And so they're looking at, you know, how do we connect with our customers and leverage that, whether it's direct to consumer websites or whether it's connected products and being able to tell your shower what temperature and what time of day you actually want to enjoy your shower. You know, that requires people's sensitive data and we're putting that into the cloud and how do we protect it? So the opportunity and the, the upcoming roadmap that Kohler is going through is super exciting. And to be able to help mold that and shape that with them is probably um, one of the things that excites me most. Yeah, it sounds real interesting. And for a diverse company, to your point, there's certainly a lot of different uh, areas that people are going to be more adept to um, jumping into that and and focusing on that. And then I got to imagine there's other areas that uh, maybe they're not so security focused. So how do you handle those folks that maybe that's not even a word they've even thought about in this sure. transformation? Absolutely. It's a really good question. And I appreciate it. 
because everybody likes the bright new shiny toys, right? So that's where I start with because that's how they got me there. Now, having said that, we do have manufacturing tendencies. We have OT devices on our manufacturing floor that need to be protected in a special way because they haven't been upgraded in years, right? Manufacturing companies will understand that. And so what we really had to do was we had to take a risk-based approach and really looking at our entire ecosystem and understanding the risk appetite of our company. How much risk are we willing to assume and where are our gaps? Identifying our major risks and how much airspace they take up versus our lower risks and, and how much you know space are they taking up. And you know we do have to look at our entire diverse portfolio and our entire ecosystem and determine where we want to focus. Because in an industry where unemployment is less than 1%, every security team is running lean. We understand that. And we, we really do look at risk and say, where are our largest risks? Where are we willing to accept it? And where do we need to mitigate it? And you shared some pretty creative ideas that I think help with that. Can you share that for the audience? Because I think those were those are interesting to your peers that are listening to it and saying, how, how do I go do that? It sounds great, but it's a challenge. What are some creative ways to get that messaging out? So great question. I, I think that our employee base for me is our greatest opportunity. People are our largest asset and educating every single associate on how they can improve our security posture reaps us the greatest dividends. And so let me give you a couple of examples. One, Let's talk about something that everybody's thinking about, which is regulatory requirements and privacy, Uh right? PR is here. Other countries such as Brazil and India and China are following suit. And so, you know, rather than just sending a directive an email and saying, you know, this is what we need to be doing, we were a roadshow. And it was really amazing when we showed people specific scenarios for their organization, not just Kohler overarching. But when we talked to facilities and talked about the gardener who was a single sole proprietorship, and because we were paying him and we were using his social security number and his bank information, he comes under our privacy protection, right? Well, that's a very specific use case. And, you know, if I just talked about Kohler and we need to protect everyone's privacy, facilities might not have thought about that. I went on this roadshow talk to them about their their very specific needs and and how each of them touches this data because we all touch email every single day. So we're all in scope, potentially receiving sensitive information. The other thing that I do that I really, you know, good, bad, or indifferent is try to make security, I'll say, as fun as it can be. I like to use hashtags, um, you know, hashtag shared responsibility. You know, security is not an IT problem. It's a business problem. And when we talk about it in that way to the business and help them understand that we are partners and advisors and that we're not the police, I think that resonates well. It has a Kohler. So that's been really positive. I really like those different things. And then, of course, you know, we have fun things where we're trying to gamify things. We have um, challenge coins that we give out to people. And when we see somebody doing something good, we give them this medallion. We say, thank you for being security minded. Another one of my hashtags. And I think it, it's kind of like, ooh, I won the prize, right? And so people like getting those little charms to say, look, I did something right. 
and being, you know, being rewarding versus being punitive will get security to go a lot farther in their partnership. I think what you just said there at the end was that's a paradigm shift in the way to approach it that I like personalizing it, having fun with it and making it so that everybody contributes to it. The question I'd have around that is then how do you measure that, right? How do you measure the success you're having in various locations and what metrics do you put in place? And then how do you come back and look at it to see if, if the impact is being had outside of, you know, the folks jumping in or contributing, uh, what do those metrics look like and what, what's, what's the baseline you kind of start with? I think that's a great question. And it's one I'm still working on in all honesty, but there are a couple things that come to mind and I'm going to give another example. So one of the things in terms of education, we all do phishing simulations and we get the clicks, but we've done the analysis and we have this list, this, this pocket of people, chronic clickers. So we're not worried about people that get caught once or twice, right? That happens. But those people that are consistently clicking on those phishing links, well, we've created some very specific um, training for them and sat down with them and said, you know, what's driving this? And we find things, behaviors like, well, I checked my, my, my email on my phone in the morning and it's harder to notice those things. I'm like, okay. And so we are measuring that subpopulation rather than the overall population to see if that's, if that's effective. The other one that really comes to mind for me is we have been talking and communicating to people about really wanting to be involved early and often. And another one of my hashtags, <laughs> I love my hashtags. And, you know, with that, what we've asked is at least bring us in for the conversation. And what that leads to is we're, we're getting into these meetings well before design has been decided on our new implementations. And what that gives us the opportunity to do is to do security assessments, work with the vendors, understand what risks exist, what the data flows are going to be. I can honestly tell you that the number of security assessments that have come into the security organization for a review have more than tripled in the past six months. And I'll call it a squishy metric, if you will, but business is so good we can't keep up, right? People reporting into us and involving us is a metric in and of itself, right? So thinking of it kind of in the reverse way is a way to spin that as well. No, I like that. And and I think that, you know, you're categorizing the in- individual that uh, maybe clicks into that one time, as you said, versus somebody that has a constant approach. And then not just assuming they're not getting it, but peeling it back and recognizing it's the way they go about their business. I think that is something a lot of our clients have suggested is a better way to do it, but they don't know how. So I love the idea because they look at it and say, we send out these phishing examples and, uh, you know, it's random people and they click into it and we'll never get over it. So they, it almost becomes a, we're not going to even deal with it because it's just going to happen. And, you know, taking the approach of maybe there's some stuff that we're just, we're not going to get the random person, but if somebody is consistently doing it, that's the person we're trying to stop. Right. I like that. What are some of the things that you look for in trends that are happening and how do you keep up with that? I know that, you know, security is the gift that keeps on giving and there's so much and obviously being a global company in every different area and different divisions of the business, but how do you keep up with the latest trends and technology so that you're not only putting the right policies in place, but you're also 
protecting the organization and doing the right things out there because it's constantly evolving. Got to imagine that's a daunting task. It really is. And, you know, I I think the people that I work with, they say, your calendar is always so busy. I'm going to be really honest. This isn't an easy one. This is relationships, talking to the business. I I, I say kind of tongue in cheek, Kohler's going to make me fat, right? And what I mean by that is if I have to have a lunch meeting every single day with different business partners to understand their business and what's coming and what they're excited about, then I'll do it, right? Yeah. It creates relationships. It creates trust. It creates advocacy and you have this back and forth and they talk about what they're thinking about, which I love. And then I can tell them the only concern I might have is this. So as you move into that, just keep that in your back of your mind. So I've prepared them to be more security minded and I'm more aware and have the visibility to prepare for any mitigations I might need to come up with. Yeah. For your team too. Right. So like when they're when they're out there thinking about it, now they're thinking about what's what's driving your challenges and your risk versus just generically what's happening in the market. Yeah, I think that's a great conversation piece. And I think that one of the things we do, and it happens to all of us, is we think we're communicating and we might communicate once. I can't say this enough to anyone out there, right? If you think you're over communicating, you're probably just starting to get it right I try, I actually have a sticky note, a virtual sticky note on my desktop. And it says, communicate one important thing each week. Now that doesn't require me to do it every week, but it's me being mindful. Is there something that I need to communicate, whether it be up or down or laterally, right? To someone about something that's happening in our business. So if it's informing the team of something that's coming and giving them visibility, If it's making sure that um, I'm managing up and we have some big risk coming that my next levels need to to be aware of, I may not need anything from them, but I want them to be aware or laterally across my peers and my partners and my stakeholders so that they know what we're doing. They feel more invested when that happens. We all get so much email. I get it. We're like, I don't want to send another email. A little tip and trick that I use in my subject line, I will write inform colon and then give them a subject line. So not just FYI, but inform. I'm informing you of something important. If I need an action, I put action colon and tell them what that action is. Just a little trick that I use as I've tried to find better ways to communicate and not just be in the middle of all that email. Yeah, no, that's creative. I like that. I, I definitely like the action side of it as people tend to sort by subject line. So mm-hmm. it draws their attention to it. And of course, if everybody starts doing that, it might uh, take it away its impact a little bit. But that's an interesting one. You mentioned executives. A lot of our clients that we talk to, when they go up to have that conversation with them about the security needs, they're very interested. They certainly want to protect the business. They're certainly very conscientious about the impact it can have, but they also sometimes then when it comes to looking at a budget cycle for it, it becomes an impact. How do you approach to make sure, we've talked a lot about kind of the field and the organization, but when you look up 
you know, at the executive ranks, what do you do differently with them to make sure that they're kind of, you're conveying the same messages and at the same time, getting the same amount of resources to protect what they want to protect, but may not have just an open checkbook to go do. Right. So we're going to go back to risk-based approach with you. You're right. CXOs are listening to security and IT. They know that in order for businesses to continue to survive, they have to change and they're willing to invest in IT with the right business case. So it goes back to a couple of things. One, we just talked about it. Communicate. Don't wait until you need the ask. Communicate about your risks on a quarterly basis. I have a heat map. I think heat maps are great visual ways to show someone. Don't inundate them with every risk. I give them the top five. Here are our top five risks at our company. And here's how big I think their surface area is, right? So it might not be, we might have a top right red, right? Upper right corner Uh that um, may be a really small circle because it is really critical to us and it's a high risk, but it doesn't take up much of our space. I might have something in the middle like fishing, right? That's just a, you know, well, yes, it can be exploited. It's a risk, but it's, it's not heavy, but oh, that circle is really big because the surface area it takes up because it hits everybody creates a bigger risk. So I use a three-dimensional heat map to do that. So communicate often. And the other thing that I really do is I, again, people say, well, make it useful to their business. And what I always say is, okay, risk-based approach, how much risk are we willing to accept? I'm going to give you an example so that you can use this. We were opening a new juice bar, right? To go along with one of our, um, we have an arm in hospitality that does yoga. So it's kind of this health mindedness. And shop wanted to use the new Apple Pay readers, right? And we have to be PCI compliant. And so my CEO is like, you know, this is really cool. It's easy. It's hip. That's the vibe we're looking for. And so why can't we do it, Mandy? (laughs) I didn't say you couldn't do it. So let's have a conversation. Let us sure that, you know, Apple Pay um, is PCI compliant, that the readers work with our vendor. You know, we can shove resources at it, but this is what's going to fall off. Really helping them understand regulatory compliance matters. This is your potential fine. If it's not, if it is, check the box. I presumed it was, which it was, but let's do these checks. But walking him through, here are the risks associated with this. I said, and then the other risk is, you know, you want a hip experience and you might get more tip revenue, but are your people ready to make it a gracious experience? Have they been educated in it? Have, do they have the training? How hard is it on the backside of that? And then if your risk tolerance is high enough to accept these four risks, let's go for it. And we did, right? So I think it's all about using an actual example, outlining the risks in a non-technical way, and and then seeing where they land, right? Yeah, and I think to your point, it's kind of funny as you were walking through that, the, the strategy of doing that is very similar to what you pointed out to how you do it to the rest of the organization. And the communication piece was, you know, talking about it, what's the risk tolerance? So whether you're talking to your CEO who's looking for an experience, but also wants to know what 
how much risk are we re- able to do and how much do we want to invest in this or to a division head or to somebody you know that's um, paying to the the landscapers that we need to make sure that we're you know fully communicating to them not just at the time of an event but ongoing putting it in their terms certainly the terms will change a little bit uh, as you move around that those levels but at the end of the day it's simplifying it and giving examples, and and then that way it becomes something that they can use every day. So, um, did I get that right? Because it sounded it's pretty interesting. You'd think it'd be a completely different conversation, and it actually turns out that most of it is very, very similar, just little nuances. That's exactly right, and that's why I wanted to give you an example. If you take the the steps that are involved, you know, it doesn't need to be a technical conversation. Your your CEO or your CTO or your CIO doesn't need to know all the ins and outs of network segmentation to get to a use case. Right. Here are the risks. Here are the costs involved, whether they're people, whether they're, you know, dollars, whether, you know, it's time, whatever that resource is, what are they willing to give and what aren't they willing to give? And here's the risk associated with it. And then you make a business decision. That's what we do. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this will kind of chuckle when you at that point where, they get too technical and they get too granular and then they come back and say, yeah, it didn't, uh, it wasn't successful. We're not going to get funding or we're not going to do it. And chances are they probably just didn't put it in terms they understand. So I could, I think there's a lot of people that could relate to that. Um, Final word here for you. Uh, I know we touched on a lot of great ideas, a lot of themes in this, but uh, is there something that I didn't ask you in this discussion that you think your peers in the industry would be interested in? So I would say that if there were one thing I want people to take away beyond the risk-based approach is that, you know, I'm going to end with one more hashtag, one that I'm using quite frequently, hashtag one team, one score. Ultimately, when I talk to my cybersecurity team, I tell them it's not about cybersecurity winning. It's not about IT winning. It's about Kohler winning because Kohler's winning, everybody wins. So as we look at that risk-based approach, just remembering that what we're all trying to do is make our business better within the right risk level that we're willing to accept, we're all going to win. That's just great advice. Listen, I want to thank you for your time. Appreciate your insight and the knowledge around this risk-based approach. I think it resonated very well. I think people are going to find it useful and leverage some of the ideas here. And so thank you again and uh, look forward to speaking with you soon. Great. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.